Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. Oh my gosh. Welcome back to The Unfiltered Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Ashley Pollard, with a brand new podcast, rebrand, tagline, website, freebies, downloads. I mean, it is a new and improved motherfucker up in here. You know what I mean? Like she got Botox and lashes and nails done. And you know what's so funny? Literally, I have none of that. I'm just like sitting here in my sweatpants. So actually, she didn't get Botox or her nails done or her lashes done. She just like rolled out of bed and she's doing the best she can. And that's basically the essence of the rebrand, which is what I want to talk about today. I want to talk to you about why I rebranded the strategy behind that so that you can deploy that in your business if necessary, when necessary. But I also want to talk to you about the rules. The rules are something that we are putting in place at Team AP Consulting that I want everyone to abide by. The rules are for the doers. The rules are for the roundtable. And the rules are also for you. Now, obviously, listening to this podcast, you're going to be like writing them down and loving these rules. I'm telling you just now, just you wait, you're going to be loving these rules. But also, if you want to download a version of this for yourself, head to the website, check out the rules, you'll be set. Now, let's talk about the rebrand because You might be wondering why we rebranded, and I'm here to tell you this took all year to do, okay? This has been a long time coming. We didn't necessarily know we were going to rebrand. We thought that we were going to maybe add some new elements in, zhuzh up some pages on the website, but it wasn't until I talked to Sasha at Daring Creative about, you know, the potential of doing it that I really, I saw it'll come to life in my brain. You know, we had a conversation in maybe like June and I knew what it would look like and I knew what I wanted and I literally could not stop. There's a few things that were really important to me in this rebrand. And it's not to say that Maxime, who did the first rebrand, didn't do a good job. I think she fucking killed it. I think that she blew me away. She blew me out of the water. She did exactly what I had asked for. And what I had asked for was something I wouldn't have to update that I could keep for years. The problem is that I get fucking bored, dude, and I need freshness. I need newness. Now I know this about myself, and I don't think there's a world where I'm going to have a branding package or like a branding subset of rules that I'm going to be able to live with for more than one or two years. And knowing that about myself is really empowering because it feels fun. It feels like I get to have a makeover every couple of years. So we'll definitely hold this. No question for this year. We're almost going to be establishing it through this year, using it next year. I would foresee that we probably rebrand every two years. So gird your loins, all right? Get fucking ready because we're going to be mixing it up and shaking it up every couple years or so. Why did I rebrand now? I rebranded now because we don't have the same goals as we did in 2021 when we rebranded last time. And the goals that I had at that point was positioning, which shockingly enough is actually what Maxime is great at. So you should go follow her. But I needed to showcase that I could run with the fucking big dogs. You know what I mean? With that first rebrand. I was someone who no one really knew, who was gaining a lot of momentum. Everybody was talking about me at one point, it felt like. And so I and I had really shitty branding. You know, I had free branding that a friend of mine did, and it was perfectly okay. Like, it was decent, but it wasn't great. 
And I needed to step into my most professional self. You know, this was before I was selling VIP days, before I was selling $4,500 packages, consulting packages, before I had the round table. Really, all I had was a passive shop, group programs, and the beginnings of the doers, but I didn't even know if that was going anywhere. So what I really needed to do is I had to have a website that showcased a very professional side of me, a very buttoned up version. And I did what we all do. You know, I did the photo shoot in the blazer with the beige aesthetic. And, you know, I looked really put together. And like, your girl's just not. And like, do I live in a blazer? Yes. You know, but I also live in my sweatpants. And I do things messy and I believe in messy action. And so as time evolved, you know, that branding served me, honey. Like I was selling those $4,500 packages like they were freaking pancakes at IHOP. Like I was dishing them out, serving them out, bop, bop, bop. Like come one, come all, couldn't stop selling, you know? I was doing VIP days twice a month, sometimes four times a month. I mean, I could have done them 12 times a month if I was selling them. Like it was wild, the heyday of the Team AP Consulting Services. Now, some of you were there for that. Some of you weren't. And what's really funny, we didn't have a massive audience. It's not like I was famous by any means, but the people in my space were hot all of them still kind of are, to be totally honest. But it was a really great time financially for me because anything I sold, sold. Anything I talked about, sold. Any price point, any product, anything. And I had found this really beautiful equation. If I do this, they will buy. And it wasn't manipulative the way that it sounds. A lot of it was dictated by the audience. People would say to me, I need this, so I made it. I need this, so I made it. It was a really, really, really great time. And I think my branding really aligned my business with those that they trusted. I wanted to make sure that I was working with people who took their business seriously, who operated as a business, who had a website, who had a profit and loss statement, who didn't want a, you know, to like learn what their coach taught them, but learned what they had put into practice with clients and shared that with the world. So I was very much trying to bring in the, let's call them business owner. And it killed. It's a great. But then there came a time earlier this year where I was like, you know what? I'm leaning in the podcast. I'm leaning into the doers. Those are really my only two things. Of course, I have the round table, but the round table sells behind the scenes without me even lifting a finger. Everybody wants to be in the round table. It's a phenomenal place if you want to really push yourself. So like, I don't need to sell that. I don't need to sell my personal consulting because I don't have any financial goals for it. If you want it, it's there. If I never sell a spot, I no harm, no foul. I don't lose anything. So I don't really need to sell those things. I need to sell the doers and I need to sell the podcast. So from a business strategy perspective, I needed to make sure that my brand was aligned with a different goal. So instead of saying I'm very professional and I'm incredibly seasoned as an entrepreneur and as a businesswoman, I'm 35 years old and I have 13 years experience in business development. That's kind of what that first round of branding did did for me. That's kind of like the message that it was there to share. But as I've gone along, what I've noticed is that people don't come to me necessarily because I'm super seasoned and because I've worked for Prada and Gucci and Rebecca Minkoff and Sam Edelman, Bethany Frankel, Brooke Shields. Like it's not those things that people say like, I trust you, I wanna work with you. I found that a lot of the appeal of being in the Team AP space is the confidence people feel from being allowed to do things imperfectly. I think that everyone in my space, if you've been here long enough, you have seen me launch for now five businesses with very little preparation, with a lot of mess, tweaking as I go, testing as I go, putting things out there. 
having imperfect services, imperfect pricing, tweaking, changing. I like to be that example. I like for people to see Ashley's making great money and she's doing it imperfectly where I'm not making money because I'm trying to be perfect. You know, there's a person in my space who started her business around the same time as me and she was growing much quicker than me at the beginning because she was speaking their language and she was doing things quote unquote perfectly. What's funny though is that she had this incredible, powerful product that she was working on for three years and wanted it to be so perfect. She launched it to the public and it flopped. You know why? Because no one was paying attention anymore. Whereas the Ashley Pollard way would have been launch it with them at a low price, tweak it as you go, grow, 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 grow. And then you have this incredible finished product. And now what you're looking at is, you know, we started in 2020. So I guess, you know, almost four years ago, I started the business in my apartment in New York, you know, just kind of like bullshitting around saying like, we'll figure it out. Let's see how it goes. Part of that is the rules, which I'm going to tap into here in a moment. And Through the years, you know, I've added services, I've dropped services. There are things that I've said that I'm like, oh my God, this is going to change the industry. And I've backed away from it because people didn't give a shit. There's things that sold that I had to refund people for because it didn't sell well. There are things that I've done that I personally hated. There are things that I've done that I've loved that I've doubled down on, the doers looking at you. And so it's been a really great learning experience the past few years to really like narrow in on what I like. And a lot of you saw this as success, but what you don't realize is that a lot of it was testing. A lot of it was me throwing spaghetti at the wall. And I think that people hear that phrase, throw spaghetti at the wall, see what sticks or try things and see what works for you. And I did that over a four-year period, not four months, not four weeks. I did that over a four-year period. And that kind of goes to show that like, if you don't have answers in a year, keep going, keep iterating, keep testing. Because it took me four years to really understand what my identity was as an entrepreneur, but not even an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur in the Team AP consulting space. Because I do think I operate differently in dial zero versus me time versus fast forward, et cetera, et cetera. Give yourself some of that time, you know, to be able to reinvent yourself and iterate and redesign and try on new outfits. Because now I'm sitting here today talking to you about where we are now. And I'll tell you what, this branding, this identity feels the most aligned with who I am as a human being, not an entrepreneur like as Ashley, as the girl from St. Louis who has three nephews and a niece and a brother and a sister and my girlfriends are here and they're in Miami. And like, I don't I'm trying to paint a picture of like the human being, right? Because I think my last branding was what I needed to be in order to earn the kind of revenue that would push the business forward. But it wasn't me. You know, I'm not the buttoned up girl. I'm not the one who's going to be like super polished. I don't get Botox. I have wrinkles on my forehead. I don't like look great all the time. I'm always in my sweatpants. I'm not like, you know, waking up at 5 a.m. every day. I'm like slobbering on my fucking pillowcase, waking up at 9 a.m. and like sluggishly walking to my computer to join a 10 a.m. call. Like, and to be honest, I bet a lot of us are. And I want to really normalize that going forward. I want to normalize entrepreneurship because it is not sitting on a cruise ship working two days a week. It is not moving to another country and making $100,000 a month by only working an hour a day. Can that happen? I mean, with the right team and the right money in place, maybe it's not 
the standard, you know, the standard is that a lot of us have a skill set that we want to monetize and we earn $1,000 from our first client and we're like, oh my God, someone paid me $1,000 and we scale that to 10,000 or 20,000 or 30,000 or 50,000 even. And we get burnt out and we say like, I need some support. I need to find a new way. And a lot of that is done really messy and it comes up with a lot of emotion and it feels very vulnerable and it feels, you know, almost like a childhood wound is being poked. And with this rebrand, I want it to feel a little bit more chaotic. I want it to feel more like me. You know, I want it to feel like a mix of put together in some way, but also like the girl who's chilling with her laptop on her computer laptop desk, whatever that's called, my like laptop pad, watching Suits or whatever great British bake-off I'm watching and doing my social media last minute, even though I relentlessly tell you to batch it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I want you to be in this with me. I am not above you doing better. I definitely probably have more experience than some of you, but that doesn't mean I know more. I just have been riding the bike longer. Of course, I have a couple tricks up my sleeve. So I really want this to lean into a little bit more of those like BFF older sister vibes. I don't want to be anybody's guru. I don't want anyone to think that I have all the answers. I only want to tell you what I know and what I know works and what I've learned doesn't work. And I'm really excited about that because I think that there's a playfulness in this branding. There's also a decent amount of strategy within the branding that we've created. Now, really quick, a bit of a flex because I feel really proud of this. I did the branding myself. I built the website myself. I wrote all of the copy myself. I made every single thing in the portal. All of it is made by me. And to me, like, I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud to have gotten to a place that I understand brand enough to do my own branding. I'm really grateful that I understood or learned the skill of website design years ago because being able to put that into practice and build my own website has been very empowering. Starting as a copywriter in sales in the fashion industry definitely has given me phenomenal language and skill sets there for writing great copy on site. It's empowering. You know, every email is written by me and our automations. Like, I mean, everything has been done by me in this rebrand for the most part. And there's something really exciting about that. One day I will tell you about the photo shoot. I don't think I have it in me today, but the photos are another story. My point is this rebrand feels very personal. It feels very personal. It feels very exciting. I wanted it to feel a bit messy, a bit chaotic, a little bit like there's piles of papers all over the floor, but I know exactly what everything means. You know what I mean? Like you look at a messy bathroom and you're like, it might be a mess, but I know where my eyeliner is. So that's kind of what I wanted this to feel like. Organized chaos, let's call it. Now, the strategy part of this really comes into play with color and font selection and a few other things that I won't get into. First of all, I am seeing red everywhere. Some people might say like, oh, well, so-and-so is doing red and this person's doing red. And it's like, yeah, but I built this out in June. So like I was technically doing red for a while, but it wasn't live yet. No, I'm kidding. I'm being an asshole. But red is a very powerful color. I'm seeing it everywhere in brand and knowing that we're going into like a very deep red trend. Not only are we in one right now where red is like the color of winter 2023, but I don't foresee it going anywhere. So I wanted to make sure that I was strategically kind of aligning with this like color of the 
moment. But with the blue, I really thought that it was like a very playful balance. I didn't want to go too warm. I didn't want to go too cool. And both of them being present allows me to play in the red and warm space. And the blue allows me to play in the cool space using the brown, using the fonts that we use. There's a bit of like an athletic feel to it, which is very minimal, but felt if you really take a look at it. And the reason why I felt like that was nice is because it's there enough that I do think it lends a childlike feel to it without feeling childish or immature. A lot of this is inspired by brands that I'm loving and people that are setting trends in a way that I think is really important. No, I don't think it's very helpful to like copy somebody per se, but you know, when people who shift industries are doing something, it's not a bad idea to piggyback off of that idea and find a way to make it your own, which is what I'm trying to do with this rebrand. How do I make it my own where it stands alone? but I do have very clear influences. So I'm very excited. I'm very excited about the rebrand. I'm excited about the new colorways, the new fonts, the new push we're going to be doing with social, which I'm excited for you to see. And I'm excited about our new tagline, very serious business. Now, the reason for the new tagline is because I think that we are just a little bit overthinking things. People will say like, I don't know what to post on social. And it makes me think like, it's not that serious. Like, anything. And then they're like, but what, but what is it? And it's like the, the thing about social is that no one post matters. Presence matters. So how do we get out of that thinking? Well, it's not so serious. Let's not take it too seriously. I want to start a podcast, but it has to be edited perfectly. Says fucking who? That's not how mine started. I ain't kidding. If you listen to any of my walk and talks, they're chaotic shit shows. So I want to cut through the noise. I want to empower you guys to do things that are super messy and to do them incomplete and to do them at 30% and to make mistakes and to fuck it up and to cancel something and launch something new and, you know, to understand that there's a way to do things that aren't necessarily always strategic. And like your girl loves a goddamn strategy. Let's be for real. But not everything has to be so serious. And so we're going to be really leaning on this in a playful way. We're not here to like make fun of anybody or shame anybody. But this idea that like everything is such a very serious business, it just makes me laugh, you know, because I want us to just remember that like we're not curing cancer here. You know what I mean? Like make it fun, make it enjoyable. If you're not enjoying yourself, like what is well, what are you building then? You know, if you're building a house to live in, shouldn't you like the wallpaper? So I just want you to think about it that which leads me to the rules. The rules are something new for us. You know, one of the things that we did in the rebrand is we got rid of the quiz. That was a big decision. You know, the quiz was my number one lead magnet for years. But the thing is like, one, I didn't really feel connected to it anymore. Two, I didn't have four archetypes anymore in my audience. You know, I kind of built it because I was talking to four different people at all times in my Instagram community. And it's really become one consumer in essence. You know, the person who's following me is someone who really takes their business seriously, probably owns an agency or at least owns a business and is in their second year or later. You know, they've made some kind of money and they're wondering how to make their lifestyle a little bit better, to make that profit a little bit higher and to do so with ease and with confidence. That's what I've found, at least. Am I, could I be wrong? Sure, I'm wrong every fucking day of my life. But that's what I've noticed is in my audience. And so the quiz didn't really serve the purpose anymore. And I didn't really need it. I needed to kind of like put it on a shelf and do something different. And I want to talk about the rules now, because with this rebrand, with this new version of Team AP Consulting, I wanted to make a very 
clear set of rules that I want you to follow in your business that are Bible. These are the things that I want you to do to implement into your business so that you can see personal ease, confidence, success, and understand what you're doing as an entrepreneur because it's not always doing a great job for the client. Sometimes it's a lot bigger than that. So these rules kind of clarify exactly what you need to be doing and exactly what we do here at Team AP Consulting. You don't have to agree, but you follow them, you'll see success. I can pretty much guarantee that. So let's dive in. Rule number one, there is always a way. And the reason that I say this is because a lot of times people say, I can't do that, or I can't do that, or I can't say that, or we run up against a problem and we shy away from it. And I want to kind of push you a little bit to say, I bet I could find a way around that. I bet I could find a way though. You can close any client, even if they absolutely don't ever need your services, which I don't recommend you do, but like you really can. You can make money today if you wanted to. You can fix your failed launch mid-launch to make it successful. So this idea there is always a way. I want you to stay curious. I don't want you to feel defeated by your own business. Just because you don't have the answer doesn't mean there isn't one or that you won't find it or aren't capable of finding it. Stay curious. How can I figure this out? I'm going to figure this out. Just you wait. Just you watch. That level of competing against yourself, there is always a way. I will figure this out. That's rule number one. The second rule is choose it or don't, but commit. And the idea here is that there are so many ways to look at business, business decisions. There are right ways, there are wrong ways, there are right ways for you that are wrong for me, right ways for me that are wrong for you. And at the end of the day, I don't want you to flip-flop on your decisions. I want you to choose something or choose not to do it, but what you choose, I want you to commit to. And that doesn't mean for life. You know, I don't want you to marry the decision, but stick to it for a quarter, for six months, for a year you know, really commit to that idea. So for instance, if you say, you know, I'm going to post three times a week a video on Instagram. Great. If you choose that, commit to it. What is a way that you can put that into practice that you're committing to it? I don't want to be super flimsy with what we're choosing in our business. Not everything is for everyone. And so something to also think about with that is if I were to say to you, you know, like your services shouldn't be $10,000, And if you say, yeah, but my services are going to be $10,000, great, then choose it and commit to it. Really be clear about the strategy behind your decisions and choose them with refined execution. Have a crystal clear vision for why you are choosing that particular outcome, that decision, that choice. Have clarity, crystal clear clarity around that. Rule number three, do what you do well. Now, here's the funny thing. I actually don't do a ton well, okay? I am a phenomenal consultant. I'm a great analyst. And I like to think that I'm a really great manager and let's say business developer. Outside of that, bye. I would say I would throw in copy. I'm a decent copywriter. Outside of that, see ya, okay? I'm not the best creative. I'm not the best idea generator or idea machine. I am not the most patient. I'm definitely not the most organized. And I have no detail eye. What 
whatsoever. If you have seen the paint job in the top of my office, you would know that I am not detail-oriented. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I have no interest in being better at those things. And this is a little bit where therapy, therapy comes into play with all of these. Let's be totally frank. But one of the best things that I learned in therapy is that some things you're just not good at. And I could sit here and up and down promise that this is the year I'm going to be organized. Or I could say, I'm not organized. You guys go be organized for me because I'm not going to be. I need to stay good at what I'm good at. That's why when I hire people, I say, I'm not organized and I'm not detail-oriented. I need people who are organized and detail-oriented because you got to be my eyes and ears, buddy. Like, you got to make this work with me. And I have no interest in doing better at it, but I want to get better at the things I'm good at. How can I become an even better advisor? How can I run the roundtable even better? How can I run the doers even better? Those are things I'm good at. Those are things I want to stay good at. How can I triple down on what I do well and completely accept that I am so bad at the things that I'm not great at? And I encourage you to view your business the same way. Rule number four is delay gratification. Win later. And this is a tough one. You know, this is where people say, I don't love my business because I don't like this client. This is so hard. I don't love how hard this is right now. Or I just want to be able to do the things that I love. And I hear you. And trust me, like, I want those things for you. I think those should be the goal. But if you don't have them today, there is no way for you to have them tomorrow unless you work through that. What I mean by delay gratification does not mean, like, suck it up and accept shitty circumstances. Get that client off your roster who disrespects you. Raise your prices to a fair price so that you can pay yourself. You know, take a day off if you need to. Delay gratification does not mean be fucking miserable at all whatsoever. It's more that in entrepreneurship, you do not win in the today. You win later. In a corporate job, you could win today. You can be done at 5 p.m. You get paid regardless. You like have an escalation program of how you're going to be hired or given a raise or a promotion, et cetera, et cetera. So I want you to also think about that with your own brand, with your own business. How can you delay gratification to win later while still feeling good now? One of the ways that I do this is I like to rebel. And it's something you hear me talk about a lot if you're in the round table. But for me, I like to rebel against the system. I like to take a long lunch on a Wednesday. I sleep in on Mondays and start at 10. And I have the whole day to myself to work on whatever feels fun, like podcasting. I tell the girls to take a day off if they're just like not feeling work that day. That to me feels really good and rebellious. And, you know, how can you find a way that you still enjoy your day today? Even though the big win comes later. One, we're trying to sell Dial Zero Marketing in 2025. We're looking at closing that at about two and a half million dollars. You heard that right. And that's off of like a $250,000 revenue. You know what I mean? Like we aren't going to be making a ton of money, but that person buying the company is going to be very interested in the valuation, that $2 million valuation. And that's a very real opportunity. I want to sell that business. I didn't before, I do now. And so I'm not going to win today if I have to work on a weekend for a client. I'm not going to win today if we have to take a client under what we'd like to get paid for a particular service. 
I'm not going to win today if all of my clients are like boring and I actually hate them or whatever it is, or they're not exciting or, you know, whatever reasons that I hear people talk about their business. I'm not going to win today. I'm going to win later with that massive sale of a couple million dollars. And with that sale of a couple million dollars, I can put that money into the coffee shop that I want to buy, then take it from those founders and make it my own. My point here is that I'm not going to win today. And I'm happy with that. I have found ways that I feel the win today. And I've also come to terms with staying committed to that future. If that means that I have to miss something exciting, then I miss something exciting. If that means I have to work on the weekend, I work on the weekend. If that means that I have to accept a client that I don't really want to work with, then so be it. There are some things I want to mitigate and make sure it doesn't happen. But at the end of the day, I win later and I've completely accepted that. And I'm in love with the fact that I do get to win later. So I'm delaying that gratification. I invite you to do the same. Which leads me to rule number five, celebrate everything hard. And now what I mean by that is like, if you're in the doers club, then you will notice anytime somebody says, oh my gosh, I have the tiniest win, but I'm so excited about it. Or even the biggest win and I'm so excited about it. Somebody in the group without fail will say something along the lines of, how are you celebrating? And it's something that we integrated into the community. It's now like a triggered response from all of us that we immediately go, how are you celebrating? Because big or small, we have to celebrate everything as entrepreneurs. And I say that because if you are fucking mean to yourself when things aren't going well, if you're the person who, you know, a potential lead doesn't move forward with the contract and you obsess over it for a week and you say, why me? And like, of course they don't want to work with me and I'm not doing a great job and I bet it's because my website sucks or whatever the fuck you're saying to yourself, then you are living so much in the consequence of that. Now, if you are going to live that deeply in the consequence of that no, that loss. I hope you are living that much in the consequence of a yes, of a win, of a celebration. Every single person who joins your email list, you better fucking dance. Every person who leaves a comment on your Instagram posts or reels, you better be so enthusiastic that they did that. Every person who joins a webinar of yours or a training of yours, a service of yours, you better be thinking, I'm so lucky. Because if you are going to feel those lows so low, you have to level it out by feeling those highs so high. So rule number five is you have to celebrate every win and you got to celebrate it well. Maybe that means I'm going to take a long walk and listen to my favorite music. Maybe that means I'm going to sleep in an extra 30 minutes. You don't have to spend money for this. If you want to spend money, you could buy yourself a bag. You could order in food. You could buy yourself like a nice little cute little purchase. Maybe, maybe something from the team at Merch Shop. Selfless plug. Wait shameless plug. But I want you to celebrate and I need you to feel it. If you say, I'm going to make myself my favorite pasta dish to celebrate when you are swirling that freaking fettuccine alfredo on your freaking spoon, I want you to be thinking, I am enjoying this incredible meal because I did this. I put in the effort. I've been the one testing. I'm the one who got this win and I'm so proud of myself. In the act of celebration, you have to be actively thinking, I fucking did this. Because if you are going as low as you go, when you go low, you got to go way high too, buddy, okay? That's the promise. Rule number six, rule number six, your growth equals business growth. Now, if you've been in my space for a while, you've heard me say this before, but if you want something fixed in your business, fix it in your personal life. For instance, if you say, I'm not really doing great managing other people in my work, 
then see what you can do about managing yourself in your life. Give yourself a task, talk to yourself well, carry through that task, manage a family member, manage a friend. And not in like a manipulative way, but like have tough conversations, listen to somebody else's point of view, ask for help in a really great way. Another thing is if you're having a hard time dealing with rejection, find ways that you feel rejected in your personal life and build up tools to become somebody who deals with rejection there as well. Now, this might seem so strange. Like, why am I doing this in my personal life? I'm not trying to fix my personal life. I'm trying to fix my business. But here's the thing. If I try to fix Ashley Pollard as a businesswoman, I'm not fixing Ashley Pollard. I'm fixing me as the person in this space. But what I want you to do is take a look at what the root cause of some of these things are. Fix them in your personal life and it will carry into your business life. And there always is some sort of lesson that ping pongs and like works for both spaces, personal and business, where if you fix it someplace, it will affect your personal life in a great way. And that just carries over into the business. So take a look at the things that really emotionally trigger you in your business. Take a look at the things that you really want to get better at in your business. And I don't mean like, okay, I want to get better at building websites. So how can I do that in my personal life? But it's more like, why haven't you started it before? You know, I'm not good at doing things that are new. Okay, well, take up ice skating, take up a hobby, like take up piano lessons, like anything to be new at something in your personal life. Because if you learn how to be new at something in your personal life, it will carry over into your business as well. Rule number seven also kind of feeds into that idea of working on yourself. Rule number seven is be enticed by the lifestyle, not the money. For instance, I mentioned to somebody, yeah, you know, we're hoping to sell the agency for a couple million dollars. And they said, should I sell my agency? And it really made me concerned. The reason it made me concerned that they were so interested in selling the agency is not because it's a bad idea or because I had brought it up or whatever assumption I could jump to. The reason I was concerned is because they were excited when I mentioned a couple million dollars. There are millions of dollars to be made for everybody. Girl, don't you know it? When you get into business, you start to see how much money is circulating in the world. But my point here is that when I said I want to sell it for a couple million dollars, they said, then I should do the same thing because I want a couple million dollars. Now, the problem there is that the lifestyle and the choices you have to make as a founder, as a business owner, in order to have an exit strategy like that or to have a goal like XYZ or to have an outcome like one, two, three, there might have to be some lifestyle considerations that have to come into play. Things like kids, things like marriage, things like traveling the world, things like health concerns, right? So we have to consider the lifestyle and I want you to focus on your lifestyle winning before your pockets because I have always, 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 100% of the time, I will say that with that level of confidence, 100% of the time, when you focus on the lifestyle wins, the money will be there and you'll be happier. Now, if you focus on the money wins 2% of the time, I can guarantee that you'll have the lifestyle that you want if you chase the money. And I definitely can't promise you that you'll be happy. So focus on the lifestyle wins. Build a business that obviously you're going to have the money wins. But when you win with your lifestyle, the money gets way less attractive. So don't think, oh my God, Ashley's selling her agency for a couple million dollars. I should too. Think instead, what kind of lifestyle is she living and will she be living and do I want that lifestyle? If so, it doesn't matter how much the money was. There are other ways to make you that money. Focus on the lifestyle goal 
with revenue being the second most important factor. That way you get the lifestyle that you want. You make the money that is important to you. And I guarantee you that you will be happier. And then finally, rule number eight, there's a whole world out there. This is my encouragement to you to get out of this fucking stupid, quote unquote, online space. People are like, it's such a saturated market. Yeah, if you're in a room of 10 people and there's eight people selling, that's pretty saturated. But you guys are shoveling yourself inside of a closet, not understanding that that closet is inside of a massive college campus full of people wanting to meet you. That's how I view the online space. First of all, so stupid. Second of all, being in such a tight, contaminated quarters is not only like fucking incestual, it's also a little bit of an MLM. But more than anything, it hurts, if not kills, your confidence. And the reason that it might kill your confidence is because you think I can only operate in this space. I can't work with a gym. I can't work with a coffee shop. I can't work with a celebrity. I've never done that. But what I want you to remember is that a skill set is a skill set. And what you do for one person is definitely something you can do for someone else. I am not more qualified than you are to work with the celebrities. And yet one of us is, maybe you are, I don't know. I actually don't know who's listening to this podcast. It reaches a lot of people. My point here, there is a whole world out there. Something I require in the round table. You are not let into the group if this is not something important to you. You have to diversify where you are selling. If you are staying in the online space, you're out of here. We're not doing it together. No fucking way. I need you offline as much as I got you online. That means working with product. That means working with physical locations. That means working with humans in person. There's a whole world out there. Get out there. Get out of this teeny tiny room that someone told you this is the only place to make money because while you are walking around this packed room full of people who don't know how to run businesses. There are people out there who think it is completely normal to pay $40,000 for packaging design when you are doing it for $3,000. There's so many people out there who think $10,000 is a very average amount of a social media retainer, and you think that it's insane to ask for $750. Get into the world with your business. Not only will it build your confidence, it will help you feel more legitimate in your operations. You'll show up differently. You'll lead differently. And you will run your business in a completely different sense than if you stay only in the online space catering to this like online space mentality. It is horse shit, a lot of this stuff. I need you to think differently. I need you to think bigger. And I need you to start treating yourself with some goddamn respect because you are fucking smart. You're creative. You're incredibly perfect in all ways, okay? I'm obsessed with you. I love you. You're amazing. My point is you are smart. You are creative. You are totally capable of booking a client that is not a coach or a copywriter or a website designer. There's so many other things that you could be doing. And there's a whole world out there that I don't want you to forget about. Those are my rules, okay? One, there's always a way. Two, choose it or don't, but commit. Three, do what you do well. Four, delay gratification and win later. Five, celebrate every single win. Six, work on yourself because that affects the business. Seven, focus on the lifestyle over the money. And eight, there's a whole world out there, baby cakes. And guys, that's it for episode one of season, I think we're on four? Season four. I'm so happy to be doing this with you guys. And I'm so excited. We have a whole merch shop that's brand new. I'm wearing my It's Not Hard, It's New sweatshirt. Really cute. We love her. 
We have so much in the merch shop. It is loaded. Check out the master classes. Check out the new freebies. They're so great. Everything got a redesign. So if you think you got that freebie before, you know you didn't. No, you didn't. Because she's new and she's cute. Okay? Join the Doers Library. See what we have to offer. Join the Doers Club and come say hi. Can't join the roundtable. We're closed for the year. But thank you for tuning in. Leave a review. Leave a rating. I'm obsessed with you guys. I love you. All of this rebrand is to show you that if you do anything, do it a little bit and figure it the fuck out. You don't have to be perfect to make money. I'm an imperfect, chaotic, messy son of a bitch who doesn't know what the fuck she's doing any day of the week. And we're aiming to hit two and a half million dollars this year. And that is from me doing things halfway, last minute, late, my own way. Okay? Don't wait till it's perfect. The world doesn't want perfect. They want you as you are. I love you. I'll see you next time. Before we go, I'm inviting you on my mission to help female entrepreneurs, okay? I am a girl's girl, and I want to see every single one of you empowered, living your biggest and boldest life in the easiest way for people to access free information and a community of like-minded women is by sharing this podcast. Leave a review on Apple, rate us on Spotify, but more than anything, if you liked this episode, please take a screenshot, share it to Instagram, and tag us so we know that you are loving loving the content, but also other people can see that you are an entrepreneur who is focused on her game. Now remember, the motto of the Team AP space is, it's not hard, it's new. And if nobody has told you this, I want you to remember, you've got this. Entrepreneurship is hard. I love you, I believe in you, and I am so grateful to be in service of you, whether free or paid. And until next time, stay focused, babes.